Welcome to the 4Ms with Molly, a podcast for the busy and working mom. I'm your host, Molly Lupo, nurse practitioner, lifestyle medicine and nutrition coach, and busy mom. The 4Ms is all about macros, mindset, meditation, and movement. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, so excited to come to you today. It's a solo podcast episode um, and I'm going to be talking about intermittent fasting because I see this question come through a lot and the question is like, should I do this for weight loss? Should I do, is this good for my health, Um, etc. And so I dug into some of the research and I'm just going to translate for you what I um, found and then like anything, you get to decide if this is something that would work well for you. So let's jump in. What is intermittent fasting? So the definition of intermittent fasting is really simple. You are just taking intentional breaks from eating. So there's multiple ways how to do it. There's the 16-8 method. So this is where you would restrict your... um, or sorry, not restrict, you would eat for eight hours, and then you would fast or not eat for 16 hours. So that's where this 16-8 sort of method comes in, if you've heard of it. An example of this could be like you eat from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. There is another method called eat, stop, eat, where you would fast for 24 hours, one to two times a week. There is another method with, um, and sorry to go back quick, an example of that would like, maybe you eat dinner and that's like your last meal and then you wouldn't eat again until dinner the next day. Um, so that's an example or five, two is where you consume five to 600 calories on two non-consecutive days of the week. So maybe like Tuesday, Thursdays, you eat this like much lower calorie day and then you would eat normally the other five days. The thing I want to point out here is that whether you choose to do intermittent fasting or not, obviously you are restricting calories in all of these methods. In 16-8, you probably aren't like snacking late at night. In eat, stop, eat, obviously that's like a big, if, if you're fasting for one to two times a week for an entire day, obviously that's like a lot of calories you would not be eating. Um, same with the five, two method. So I just want to point out here, it's not really the magic of intermittent fasting. If you do end up losing weight, it's the magic of a caloric restriction, which is what you need to lose weight. Um, so anyways, I will get into my opinions later on, but I'm going to go through, sort of what the cycle of intermittent fasting and how human metabolism works. So if you've heard the term glucose, that also means like your blood sugar. This is the primary energy source for most of your tissues and cells throughout the day. So this is why when you're tired, you grab for, um, I don't know, crackers or like a carbohydrate because those have more sugar in them. Um, And so fatty acids represent an alternative fuel source for organs that are metabolically active in muscle, liver, brain, um, and these rise overnight while you're sleeping or fasting. So the reason why that's important is because once glucose is not the primary energy source for your tissues or cells throughout the day, that's when your body starts burning the fat. 
Um, but I'm going to go into the cycle of inter- intermittent fasting. So we're going to pretend like hour zero is when you eat. This is when you would have food consumption. Um, by hour three, you're in the fed state. And in the fed state, your um, glucose or blood sugar, I'm just going to call it blood sugar from now on so you all understand it. Um, that rises and then your pancreas um, secretes insulin to accommodate for this blood sugar spike. And in things like type 2 diabetes, the blood sugar is rising and there's not enough insulin to accommodate for that blood sugar spike. Um, So in this state, your body will stop breaking down fat to release the fatty acids. And in this state, it's breaking down the glucose where you got your energy from. Um, If there is excess caloric intake, then it's stored as fat in the body. And that's just kind of how this works. So you eat something, your blood sugar rises, your pancreas does the work to um, secrete insulin to accommodate for it. If there's too many calories, then it's stored as fat in the body. Um, the post-absorptive state, so this is like by hour 18 in um, just like a day of like eating. This is what we call the early fasting state. And this is where insulin secretion has started to decrease. Um, instead of breaking down sugar from the carbs, we're breaking down sugar from fat and protein. And this increases the breakdown of fatty acids, or also this is, can help with, um, burning of the fat basically. And then hours 36 to 48, this is the fasting state for most people. Um, and this is when insulin secretion is down because you don't need insulin to secrete if there's not a bunch of food coming in. Um, your metabolism shifts to breaking down the fatty acids for fuel um, and so forth. So you start to increase your glucagon, which is part of the blood sugar process. Um, so it's stimulating the liver to increase the glucose production and increase the blood glucose levels. At around 48 hours of fasting, you have decreased insulin and you're releasing more of the fatty acids. So decreasing the insulin, burning more fat. Um, so that's kind of the process of what a two day sort of thing looks like with intermittent fasting, but what do we actually know from the research? So nearly all intermittent fasting studies have resulted in some degree of weight loss ranging from two and a half to almost 10%. Um, animal studies interestingly found a decrease in serum glucose, um, or again, the blood sugar and insulin. So those are promising. However, the human trials where they actually were done on human beings showed stable or decreased fasting insulin, which that's good for diabetes. Um, but they did not show a change in fasting blood sugar. And then animal models showed intermittent fasting to be beneficial for weight, body composition, other markers like cardiovascular health, aging, inflammatory markers, and that they promoted longevity. Um, however, however, the studies vary on their own definitions of intermittent fasting, the protocols people did, the duration of the fast, all of these things, and some of the animal research did not translate to human research. So that's just important to point out and be aware of. I think the biggest question to ask yourself if you are thinking about intermittent fasting is, can you maintain this? Because if you've been following me for any sort of period of time, you know that I want something that is sustainable for the rest of your life. 
So if this is something you're going to do for a period of time, and then you're going to boomerang back, so to say, then I wouldn't recommend it for you because I don't want you to go through this yo-yo sort of lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight. I want you to find a way that works for you for the rest of your life. Um, I know a lot of people who really like intermittent fasting and it works for them. Um, So it's very personal, I think, and you have to decide what works best for you. There is not enough research for intermittent fasting to be recommended as a standard of care. It's not to say that, again, it could not work for you. It's just this is like where it comes down to be to being very personalized. And maybe you try it for a period of time. And if you like it, you could stick with it. And if you don't like it, then you can dial it back and change. And that's the beauty of life is that we can always pivot and change. Um, intermittent fasting is best recommended for people who are able to avoid overeating following the fasting period. So this is really important to me because anyone who has like a history of an eating disorder, anyone who struggles with emotional eating, all of those things, I tend to not recommend intermittent fasting for them because it's almost too long of a period for them to go without food. And then they end up overeating once their window hits. And then you get really frustrated if you aren't losing weight, but you aren't losing weight because you're doing intermittent fasting wrong. You aren't losing weight because you aren't in a caloric deficit. So that's something I really like to point out here. Um, One of my colleagues always recommends that if you are going to do intermittent fasting to eat every two to three hours while you do it to avoid that overeating sort of um, uh, phase of it. So I think that's really great advice. Um, I think it's also important to point out here, like Americans prefer highly palatable, calorically dense foods. It is so easy to eat the lemon loaf from Starbucks, chocolate chip cookies, cake, chips, whatever. Those foods are just packed with calories, not lots of nutrients. And so they make our brains crave more and more. So it's just an important thing to be aware of. Like intermittent fasting is not the magic bullet. It's actually the the only magic bullet is sitting down and actually doing the work, eating the more nutrient dense foods um, and putting yourself in a caloric deficit. That's not something super low um, because you want to be able to eat the most food and still lose weight if that's your goal. Um, and then there's trials that are ongoing on cancer, on Alzheimer's, on diabetes and longevity around intermittent fasting. So I think we will see as the years go by more data come out um, to guide us in the right directions. I know a, l- a lot of people ask the question, if I'm going to intermittent fast and um, can I put creamer in my coffee? And like true intermittent fasting is you would not put creamer in your coffee. You could have black coffee but not cream in your coffee. So that's a question that I see come across a lot. Um, and then the other question that I see a lot is if I'm going to intermittent fast and I work out in the morning, how do I balance the two? So for some people, they don't need to eat before they work out. It doesn't affect their performance. It doesn't, they, they don't feel sluggish. They don't feel like they're going to pass out. If you're that person, then I think you could give it a try. If you are the kind of person who um, who notices that like when you do have like, I don't know, an egg and toast or something or a banana before you work out and you notice that your performance is improved, 
then I think intermittent fasting, you might want to weigh the pros and cons of trying it. Because if you have performance goals in mind, and if you want to feel like good, and if you want to have energy in your workouts, and this is really important to think about um, as you develop your own way to eat, your own way to move your body, um, your own way to practice what your self-care is. So those are all of my points. Um, you can take away what was helpful. Um, so yeah. And if you all are wondering, I do not really do intermittent fasting in any sort of form. Um, I find I just get too hungry if I wait that long. So, um, but again, I've, I know people who have really great results with it. So totally up to you. You can give it a trial period. You can always go back. Um, I think there are some good things that go with it. So see how it works for you. Thank you so much for listening to the four M's with Molly. If you want to get in touch with me or have a question to be answered on this podcast, please send me a DM on Instagram at unsinkable Molly N P. I love hearing from you. My DMs are always open. And as always, if you enjoyed the show, please share it with someone you love and give us a five-star review on iTunes. Disclaimer, any health-related information on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional legal or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified healthcare provider for any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or before embarking on any lifestyle, nutrition, or wellness program.